Hey, what's up, South Point? My name's Kenny. I want to welcome everybody. Sounds like it's going to be a great service, man. I can hear y'all back there. It was pretty cool. I want to welcome those of you that are with us every week, those of you that are joining us for the first time, and of course, those of you that are online. I want to welcome you guys as well. I am fighting a sinus infection, so if you see me turn around, I'm just coughing, hacking, sneezing, doing something. I'll turn the mic off so you don't have to join me in that, though. So <laughs> just don't freak out. This is the last Sunday, right? Last Sunday of the year. The last of the Christmas season. Next week, it's back to normal. The decorations come down, the nativity scenes come down, the lights come down, and all the goodies go away. So I'd like to share a different version of Clement Moore's poem, The Night Before Christmas, from a viewpoint of a lady who enjoyed the holidays just a little too much. It says, "'Twas the month after Christmas and all through the house. Nothing would fit me, not even a blouse." The cookies I'd nibbled, the eggnog I'd taste, at the holiday parties had gone to my waist. When I got on the scales, there arose such a number. <laughs> when I walked to the store, less a walk, more a lumber. I'd remember the marvelous meals I'd prepared, the gravies and sauces and beef nicely reared, the punch and the candy, the bread and the cheese, and the way I'd not said, no thank you please. As I dressed myself in my husband's old shirt and prepared once again, to do battle with dirt. I said to myself, as only I can, you can't spend a winter disguised as a man. So away with the last of the sour cream dip, get rid of the fruitcake, every cracker and chip. Every last bit of food that I like must be banished till all additional ounces have vanished. I won't have a cookie, not even a lick. I, won't, I want only to chew on a long celery stick. I won't have hot biscuits, cornbread, or pie. I'll munch on a carrot and I'll quietly cry. I'm hungry, I'm lonesome, and life is a bore. But isn't that what Januarys are for? <laughs> Unable to giggle, no longer a riot. Happy New Year to all and to all a good diet. <laughs> How fitting is that, right? Isn't that the way so many of us look at the day after Christmas or the day after the holidays, the whole post-Christmas letdown? All the fun and the festivities and the feasting is over and it's back to the, the humdrum dreariness of routine winter in January. There was a department store manager whose buddy just happened to be a minister and he was talking to him after Christmas and he said, man, I got a, I got a heck of a job coming up. He said, what's going on? He said, I've got to take all of Christmas out of the store in just a few hours. He said, you think you got it bad? He said, my job is to keep Christmas in people's hearts all year long. And how true is that, Right. How do you keep Christmas in your heart all year? The night of the first Christmas, this amazing thing happened in this group of shepherds on this remote Judean pasture. We saw and we heard the angel's message to the shepherds last week. We also heard the angel's message to Zechariah and to Mary and to Joseph. And if you missed any of those, I just encourage you to go back and listen to them online. You can listen to them on the podcast. But then as quickly as the angels appeared, guess what? They vanished, right? The shepherds were awestruck with this unbelievable inspirational experience. <laughs> now what? And we could ask the same thing as we prepare for the new year ahead, right? To enter into these dreary days of January. We have no idea what lies ahead for us in 2024. There are predictions of cataclysmic years like we've never seen before. Doomsdayers foretell of drama, but there's others who have hope. And they point to some real positive signs and some awakenings and even revival. But whatever waits... We have to be ready to live in the regular routines of our humdrum life. See, we don't just get to live on the mountaintops of spiritual and emotional highs. And we may wish to stay on the mountaintops, but let's be honest, most of our life is spent in the valleys, right? 
Now, angels live on the mountaintops in the presence of the Lord. They live in that spiritual realm where God makes himself visible to them. See, God is pure spirit, so he has to limit and accommodate himself even to the angels. They see a theophany, that is, a God-made manifest in some visible way. Even angels can't see him in his full presence and his full glory. Sometimes an angel can do, so closely represent God, it's as if God himself is actually appearing. Like when an angel appears in the burning bush to Moses. But God sometimes appears on earth as a theophany, as an angel. And that seems to be what the Old Testament phrase means, the angel of the Lord. This being is singled out as special and his identity is not directly revealed as God, but there are some clues, right? When the is used for this angel, it speaks about God himself. When that angel was seen, people feared for their lives because they believed they had seen God. When three angels appeared to Abraham, it seems like the Lord himself or the man who wrestles with Jacob, that seems to be God himself, right? After Christ came, there were no more appearances of the angel of the Lord, and it's possible that appearances of this angel before Christ were manifestations of Jesus before he came, the man Jesus. When he was known as the Word, right? The second person in the Trinity. In that case, we could even call that a Christophany. And you may think of that as that being that appears in a fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the one who the pagan king said looked like son of gods. It convinced Nebuchadnezzar that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was above all other gods. But see, we don't have those experiences. God doesn't appear to us in physical ways, but he is here. And even more, he's in us, right? He indwells us by the Holy Spirit. Like angels, we are called to represent God. 2 Corinthians says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So when people see you and they see me, they should be seeing the Lord inside of us. They should see and notice something different, right? And we know that angels worship God. They're in the, that other dimension. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not real. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has been playing up the idea of multiverse for years now. Where there's multi-realities or dimensions that occupy the same space but somehow vibrate at different levels so that they're not visible or physically interactive. Now, I'm one of those weirdos. I don't really care for the whole Marvel series. But I also don't believe in the multiverse like that. What I do believe is the spirit verse is just as real as a physical universe. See, we don't get to be in that realm yet, but we get a snapshot of that. We get a glimpse of that in the book of Revelation. Revelation 7 says, and all the angels were standing around the throne and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. So like the angels, we're called to worship. We don't wait for annual holidays, right? We don't wait for special occasions. We don't even wait for once a week on Sundays. We're in the Lord's presence at all times through Christ. He's given us access to the throne room of grace to approach him in his holiness because Jesus made us holy. We don't wait for emotional excitement to stir up our worship. We make our choice to offer God the praise and the worship day in and day out that he deserves in good times and in bad. Romans says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Hebrews goes on to say, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Later on in Hebrews it says, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise of God. 
That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So let that be our daily habit, right? As we enter into the new year, worship him with your words, with your works, with your witness. What else do angels do? They serve the Lord. They carry out his will, right? We can do this day in and day out. See, angels call us fellow servants. That's why we don't bow to them. We're called to be like them. We see them in this passage. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of the, Lord, of the word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, ministers, who do his will. Doesn't that sound like our responsibility and our job description as well? The angels are ministering spirits, right? They're sent to serve Christians. And we're called to obey the Lord's order, to do what he wants us to do. We're called to obey. 1 John says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. See, the Holy Spirit equips us with these spiritual gifts so that we can serve one another. 1 Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. See, as far as we know, angels don't show up for another 30 years. When Jesus began his ministry, they encouraged him during his temptation in the wilderness. They were there to strengthen him at the end of his ministry in the Garden of Gethsemane. Heck, they could have been there on the cross, but Jesus refused their help. He said that I could call down 12 legions of angels to intervene. But Jesus had to bear the full brunt of the sins of the world alone. No aid was given. Though I'm sure those angels were chomping at the bit to rush to his side, Jesus died alone. It seems angels are involved in our deaths as well. Jesus told how a righteous man named Lazarus died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, which was a term for paradise, right? To be with the Lord. So upon our deaths, Christians, we, we may get escorted into glory by angels. Angels were there at the empty tomb to announce Jesus' resurrection of the dead, from the dead. They were there when Jesus ascended into heaven as the disciples were watching him rise says, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Angels will be accompanying Christ at his glory when he returns for the second coming. Jesus said that these angels will gather his elect. That's all Christians together, right? From the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. But until then, we are called to be messengers, just like angels. They declared God's word. They were the first messengers of his birth, his resurrection, and his return. After the angel had gone, the shepherd rushed to Bethlehem to see the baby. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. What did they do? They examined the evidence, right? They found it to be too, true, and then they shared the good news. Isn't that what we're called to do? It says, and all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them, at what the shepherds told them, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. These guys were evangelists. The word angel is right there in the word evangelist. Messenger. They didn't know a lot yet, but they told people what they did know. And that's what God calls us to do, 
to testify about what you do know. Listen, you don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to be a skilled speaker. You just have to tell people what you know. See, we can come up with all kinds of excuses, but Jesus has tasked us with the job of being his messenger. He didn't give the Great Commission to make disciples to angels, but to disciples. He said, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's something that angels can't do. Only we have the daily proclamation because Jesus didn't give himself for angels, but for us. The souls of men, the souls of women, the souls of children are counting on us. Romans says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Angels, we have heard, right? But what about people? Have they heard us? Have they heard you? Have they heard me? After the angels are gone, guess what? It's up to us, man. It's up to you and it's up to me. So invite your family and friends here. Listen, we're getting ready to start a new series. It's called Good For You. Hand them an invite card. Stop out and get an invite card. Hand it to them. Get them in here after the first of the year. Wouldn't you like to start off the new year with a better outlook on your life? I mean, come on. With so many people succumbing to negative emotions and mental health issues, wouldn't it be refreshing to gain a healthier, happier, and more hopeful perspective on what successful life really looks like? On four Sundays, we're going to show you these countercultural practices and how they actually benefit us. The first one is depending on God. The second one is decluttering your life. The third one is developing fellowship. And the fourth one is descending into greatness. See, listen, our, our faith can't just be a personal thing a feel-good thing, an emotional thing. Maybe more than ever in the new year, we have to live out our faith fearlessly. See, a shallow, superficial faith based on inspirational memes is not going to survive. You can't coast on your parents' or your grandparents' faith. The world is turning darker every single day, and it's going to get even more difficult to live for Christ. So if you're a light, it's time to stand up. Intensified attacks may be coming as society turns more and more against Christ. It's not popular to be a Christian anymore. See, we are countercultural. We're viewed as a menace and we pose a threat. Our culture has is turned Christophobic. It's the fear of the kingdom of Christ. They hate him, so guess what? They're going to hate us. So the real test of your faith is when you're in the valley, not when you're on the mountaintop. And maybe you've been on a personal spiritual high. Maybe you recently gave your life to Christ, you've been baptized, you're growing in your prayer life, you're learning some new things, you let God use you in his plan. Maybe you've gotten involved in a ministry, an outreach, had a breakthrough in a sinful habit, maybe a breakthrough in your marriage or something. Maybe you've been blessed some way, physically or even spiritually or, or, or materially. But when life settles down and you're in that ordinary routine, Will your passion for Jesus go into hibernation until Easter time? See, man, Christianity is not just about candlelit ceremonies and fuzzy feelings. Yeah, those things are nice. But we long for the Christmas spirit all year long. 
The spirit of Christmas needs to supersede, needs to be superseded by the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christmas is sentimental. The spirit of Christ is supernatural. The spirit of Christmas is annual, but the spirit of Christ is daily. Though the shepherds had to leave the manger and go back to work, man, I'm sure they were never the same. After the angels had gone and everything settled back down, the real work of Christmas begins. And you need a power beyond yourself to live a life that's pleasing to God, that brings you fulfillment, and that blesses your world. We need to know how to live with joy after Christmas lights are put away, after we're left with the Christmas bills and those winter blues set in. You can choose to have that fleeting spirit of Christmas or you can choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the powerful spirit of God that's going to transform your life. See, it's going to take a lot more than a short-lived New Year's resolution to make real changes that we all need to make. How can I be a better person? How can I be a better example for my family and my coworkers? How can I get past these, these issues of bitterness and complaining? How can I find a way to unload the problems that I'm facing? Where can I find the strength to reach the ideals and potential that I know I could? How am I going to make my life truly count? Well, guess what, man? I got some good news for you. See, Jesus wants to help you with all those things, and he wants to help you with even more because he's just as wonderful and he's just as boundless and his grace is just as boundless on January 25th as it is on July 25th as it is on December 25th. The problem is with us. We get caught up in our own desires and we get caught up in our own agendas and our own selfish pursuits, right? And we forget all about the miraculous gift of Jesus. So I'm going to issue a challenge today to hang on to Jesus this year more than ever. If you'll let him come out of the manger and come into your everyday life, he will begin to change everything. That's why our main point is keep Christ close, always. See, passionately pursue a relationship with him and a deeper awareness of his presence in your life. Spend time with him this year every single day, not just when you feel like it, not just when things are going bad. Don't wait for a holiday or even a Sunday once a week. Dig into your Bible and search for Jesus. Fill your mind with his words. If I told you there was a million dollars buried in a stage, you'd be digging for it. There is something a lot more valuable than that in your Bible. Dig for it. Fill your mind with his words. Get into a group, get into a Bible study this year. Accelerate your growth. Talk to him and ask him to help you. Help you with those day-to-day -day worries. Help you with the problems and the things that you need every day. He knows what they are. You're not going to surprise him. Be challenged to do something for him that's going to make a difference. Get your mindset that you're going to take as many people to heaven as you possibly can. Turn your lukewarm religion into a personal relationship. See, Jesus is not to us as, as Christmas is to the world, here today and gone tomorrow. He is an everyday leader and an everyday friend and an everyday Lord who changes the way we think about life, who changes the whole meaning of our life. 
He changes your perspective about what's important, about what's trivial, and about what's noble, and about what's right, and about what's true, about what's worthless, about what's shameful, and about what's empty. And he changes the way you treat your spouse, and he changes the way you treat your children, changes the way you treat your parents, and your employees, and your employers. See, after the angels are gone, keep the spirit of Christmas by staying filled with the spirit of Christ. Angels can't experience the saving love of God like we can. He loves us in a way that angels can never experience and couldn't possibly understand fully. We haven't experienced an amazing depth of love that they'll never know. The love of God that reached down in our desperate and lost condition and restored us. Did you know to our knowledge, God has not provided a way for fallen angels to be saved. But he has for us. They can only know God as the creator. But we get to know him as Abba, Father, Dad. Angels can't testify of salvation by grace through faith. Only those who have been separated by, from God can tell about the joyful experience of being reconciled to God. See, angels can't join us in the same songs of redemption. How can angels who have never sinned fully understand what it means to be delivered from sin? And if that's where you're at today, make the change today. It's so simple, man. If you're ready to follow him, text or email your name to what's on the screen. During this next song, there's going to be people up front that will help you. They will pray with you. They will love on you. They will answer your questions. They can help you literally make the best decision that you've ever made and get you ready for baptism. But they're also here to help pray with you and to answer any questions you have. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for all that you do in this church. I ask you to fill this church with your Holy Spirit like never before. Father God, be with us. Fill us all full of the Holy Spirit. Be with us so we can literally make it impossible for anybody downriver to go to hell. Be with us so that people can look at us and see a difference. Be with us so that when we don't want to read our Bible, we have a desire to. When we don't want to pray, we have a desire to. Be with us, Lord. We have a tendency to focus on everything else but you. And I ask you to be with us so that we can focus on only you. Help us to make that difference. Be with us, Lord. And if there is anybody in here that doesn't have that relationship, Lord, I ask you to be with them so that they can do something about it today. In Jesus' name.